Okay. All right. It's just the two of us. Um, it's, uh, we, today is, uh, is, we are in Kedushin Daf Kavchet, and we pick up at the bottom of Chavzayin Amad Bet, um, and we are dealing with the issue about Gilgul Shvua. We're wrapping up the end of a Mishnah that spoke about this Kenyan of how you do a Kenyan on Karka, and through Karka, good morning, how Karka you could be Kona Metatalin with a Kenyan Agav. If you do the Kenyan on the Karka, then it also works for, for, for chattel, if the cows on the land, not on the land that was discussed. And now we're dealing with the reverse sort of connection that you can take a shrua on metaltolin, and once you get somebody to take a shrua on metaltolin, you can force them to take a shrua on karka as well. That's Gilgul shrua. Even though karka is categorically excluded, you can force them to take a shrua once you get them to take a shrua on metaltolin. And we learned that out from Sota because by Sota, Amen Amen, the woman that's forced by the parts of Soja to take an oath that she didn't have sex with a certain man in terms of adultery, then you can force an oath even for a case that never could have been a Sota case, a case where the woman was an Arusa. So that shows you the principle of Gilgul Shrua, and you could apply it even to cases that are categorically excluded. Okay, and then the Gemara said, because of a Kavachomer, we can apply it even to, if we can make the, apply this principle of Gilgul Shrua from a case of Isser, from a case of a Shrua about adultery to a case of mama, to a case of a shrua relating to monetary matters. So now we pick up with that on the top of Kavcherem and Aleph, and um, two lines, three lines from the top, beginning of the line, Ashkechan Bevadai. Now we know that this can be in a case where it is definite. Now what is definite? So um, Rashi says um, um, that, like, for example, um, let's say, for example, you have a question about a, um, meaning the second claim is a definite claim, as opposed to, well, let's read the I'm sorry. Let's read the Gemara. I'll come to Vada. We found this in the case of Vada. Suffolk Minalan. Where do you know by Suffolk? We'll read the Gemara. The Gemara will make it clear. Tanya, somebody, uh, 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 it says a shrua outside, okay, so, you know, by the case by the, um, by a shrua in a basin, and it says a shrua inside, meaning in a case by the sota, which is inside the base of Mikdash. By a shrua on the inside, the suffix is like a vada, meaning the claim that the husband is making is he doesn't know for sure, right? He's just suspecting, and nevertheless can force a shrua. So even on the outside, a shrew about mammon in a basin, you can do it even in a case of a doubt, which means, right, that there are a shrua, let's say I say that I suspect you of something, right? A normal case of a shrua that you make is a case where there's a, a, a kindness bari. I say, you know, that uh, you borrowed $100, you say you didn't, and then there's an echa that says you did. Okay, so I have a kindness bari. Or you, I say you borrowed 100 and you say I paid you back 50 I, No, I only borrowed 50 So I have a kindness bari. That's well, something. That's, well, it's something to the basin. It's a bari to me. My claim is definite, right? Oh, I see. Okay, I'm making a claim that I definitely know and that you're lying. The case by the Sota was that the husband was making the claim that, that he doesn't know and he's forcing a shrua. So the question is, how do you know you can do a Gilgul shrua from a case where it maybe started with a shrua that you can really obligate, okay, like a shrua's motive or mix us or whatever, but now I'm saying, now that I'm getting you to make a shrua, 
Yeshua, you know, I, I have a lot of things I have suspicions about, okay? And I'm going to make you take a sure about all these things I've been suspecting you about that's recently. The that, no, the, that's a suffix. I suspect you about these things. I don't know for sure. Right. Okay? Definitely so I, I'm definitely suspicious. So how do you know you can do that? So you learn that from Gilgul Shrua, from Sota. The same way Sota, you can make the, take a Shrua about suffix. By a Gilgul Shrua, you can also take a Shrua about suffix. Okay? So let's take a look. Um... Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Um, so the question is like this: Are Heichan Now, how far does the Gilgoshrua go? Meaning, to what extent? Now, from the context, it sounds like it's saying, "What type of uh, what type of crazy suspicion would you still be able to make the guy take a shvua about?" All right, but we'll see how the Gemara interprets it. Amar Yudam Rav, the Amar Lehi Shavali Shein Avdiata. Swear to me that you're not my slave. Okay, so the way I would normally read this in in in, in, in sort of juxtaposition of the previous sugya is like. I suspect you of everything under the sun, you know, and you know who knows. Like maybe even you were, you know, you were, you know, my, you were my father's slave, and he, he and he didn't tell me. He swear to me about even this crazy possibility that you're not my slave. Okay, but the Gemara doesn't understand it that way. Um, we'll see, let's take a look at how the Gemara reads it. So, there you go. <laughs> right, and then we go to others. So the Gemara says, "Hahu shemusei misham What the very fact that you're claiming that he is or he might be a slave, we will put you in cherem, in nidoy. If you call your, your, your friend a slave, you're put in nidoy. If you call him a mom, there's so big as our body, you get 40 lashes. Russia, if you call him a wicked person, then we basically let the person, you know, compete with you in business in a way that we otherwise wouldn't have. Now, what is all of that about, by the way, before we get to, to applying that to our case? Why the different types of punishments for the different things. So Tezos has a very nice explanation. Tezos says like this. He says, um, three lines down in the, in the wide lines of Tosos the Tosos HaKore LeChavera but if you go three lines down Tosos says V'hainu mida keneged mida Kolomar Hu kara LeChavero Eved you call them a slave Dahave Arur because Avadim are you know Arur Kanan Kach Mikalino Tov Arur you curse him because you put him in Nidoy which is a type of a curse right I mean it has practical implications but it's also an act of censure and cursing Dahainu Nidoy okay so that's why the Nidoy is for calling your friend a slave V'chein HaKore LeChavero Mamzer so who Omer Shechaveru of our beloved? He says his friend did a lot, either presumably because maybe he was a mom's and married to somebody else. Okay, so but or maybe he was suggesting that the parents did an Isser, obviously to make a mom's The Sikach so they guess are by him kidin over blah. So if you claim that he was being over on something, you're going to get lashes as if you were over on something. And presumably the same is by the last thing you called him a Russia. So a Russia is somebody that like un- improperly you know like uh, you know ha- you know affects uh, um, somebody's. Uh, like a Russia could be off, often states things related to money and you know and hurting somebody monetarily and so on therefore you get hurt monetarily and we allow this person to even like compete with you in business in ways we otherwise wouldn't have allowed yes didn't we learn in a previous respect that there's a difference between Shmute and Nidui and yeah I'm like here it's just a more general well no there's like, a difference between Nidui and Cherem Shmute means Nidui yeah thank you so the Gemara says okay so how can 
you even su- suggest that he's an Ephed? So Amarava, no. He shavali shalonim karasli be'evid ifri. Swear to me that you weren't sold to me as an Ephed ifri. Now what is the shift between that and swear to me you're not my slave? So Rashi says that the shift is when you say avi ata means you're an Ephed knani. And that's what Tosin suggested too because he said ba'arur. So then first I'm saying you're my slave means that I'm claiming that a Jew is not a Jew. He's an Ephed knani. So that's obviously something that you know you can't go ahead and do and we wouldn't even we wouldn't tolerate that for a second. Okay? If you want to say he's not an Ephed ifri, that's like a different discussion, okay? So, uh, although I wonder, and maybe I'm being a little bit too, um, uh, you know, uh, contemporary about this, but I wonder if there's a difference is not just Evid Kanani and Evid Ivri, but about whether you're doing it as a personal label or not. One case I said, you're, you're a slave. The other case I said, I'm not, whatever, I'm saying, you, you, you were you know, you uh, you uh, you were sold to me as an Evid Ivory. I'm not a- directly attaching the label to you. I'm not labeling you. Okay, so you know, it's like we talk about like you know a person with this issue as opposed to call- using the label to label the person. So anyway, there is interesting that there is that shift, right? It's interesting. He you know, that you're not my Evid Ivory. We switched it from a label to that you weren't sold to me in the capacity of an Evid Ivory. So I might be a little over reading that, but it is worth noting that shift as well. Anyway, so the Gemara says, okay, so then why is that a Chiddush? That's a normal taina. You're saying you owed me money, and you're you're my you're now my evidence to pay off that money. So why is that different than any other claim? So the gemara says no. Rava is going to his reasoning. The nevidivi does a sense of a kinyan. So therefore, I'm saying, swear to me that you're not my evidence. So I'm basically claiming that I own a piece of you. Okay, but why is that a chiddush? The Chiddush is because if you own a piece of a person, so we know that Avadim are like Karka, and you don't take a Shvu on Karka, and you don't take a Shvu on Avadim. So if I'm saying I own a piece of you, swear to me that I don't, that's a Shvu technically on Karka, on an ownership of a property or persons, because according to Ravadim, everybody reads Gufo Kanoi, and you don't make a Shvu on it. So the Chiddush is because by, based on Gilgul Shvu, the same way you can make a Shvu on Karka, you can make a Shvu on issues about, about a rate relating to slaves, ownerships of people. But what's the Chiddush? It's the same as Karka. Funny, right? Uh, personally, you can't have something. You can't have something that's a bigger piece of tal- metalcoin than a human being, right? Yeah, but we talked about the, how that has to do with the fact that karka to some degree is not fully owned in the right. same under control, right. the same way people are not. So the Gemara says ihachi hainu karka. So what's still what's the chiddush? So that's an issue about a shvu about ownership of a person is like ownership of land, and we know you could do a gilgus run karka. Now, mal detayma, I might have thought karka who the avid inishtim is bini bitzina. Karka people sometimes sell in private. And it's possible that it was sold and that nobody knows about it. So therefore, it's a reasonable claim and you can make a shvua based on Gilgul shvua. That maybe this is my property, you know, you saw my, this is my property and you're lying to me. But hi, in Isa Dezavin, call it Isle. But I would say it's not a reasonable claim that he's your evidivri. Everybody would have known if he was your evidivri. So we don't even tolerate the claim and therefore, and therefore we shouldn't accept it. Kamash Mulan, that we do. So it's interesting that the Gemara is shift in the end because as soon as it said swear me you're not my slave the initial reaction I would have is like even an absurd claim so the you know that you can make force somebody to make even on an absurd claim so the Gemara digressed to discuss or wasn't digress anyway but discuss like well it's just a karka issue what's the chiddish it's so what it's category you know it's not different than the way karka is excluded but in the end the conclusion was that that was the chiddish the chiddish was that, that even though it seems far-fetched 
that this person would be an evidence-free because A, maybe it's not so common we have evidence-free B, if there is an evidence-free we know about it so even though the claim seems far-fetched you can still make the person take that shrua based on Gilgul shrua. so Gilgul shrua you can take on something categorically excluded Karkan Avadim and even on a claim of a Suffolk and even a claim that is relatively far-fetched so people have like said like you know English words that sound like Yiddish ones far-fetched has got to be the best <laughs> it's so far-fetched anyway <laughs> anyway um, okay so uh, the question is how 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 like completely out of you know like like uh, like un, uh, you know just speculative could the Shvua be so if you look at Tosva Tosva tries to rein it in a little bit Tosva says Nemer Shvua Bishnim Tosva says the following Tosva says um um the Omer Rebbe, it's about six lines before the Tosus Nemra finishes. The line starts with the word Kevadai. See that? Yeah. So it says, the Omer Rebbe, not on every type of a, you know, a, a speculation. If you are only a Shrua for, for a particular reason, swear to me that you've never done, you know, you never, you never did anything wrong to me, that you never stole anything from me, you never borrowed anything from me, from me like, Stop! You can't just, you know, speculate out of thin air. Only something that has a little basis for being concerned about. Let's say we were partners, and then after we broke up the partnership, I want you to swear that you never misappropriated any funds. So, okay, there's a basis for that. We're partners, we were handling each other's money. You know, there's a reason to think that maybe you did that. Okay? So the question, though, is, you know, how do you, how do you square that with the Gemara about swear to me that you're not my evidivery? Right? So, you know, that also seems very far-fetched and there's no basis to assume that this person like would we need the fact that maybe you know it's clear that I'm rich and you're poor and it's reasonable to assume that you might have borrowed money from me etc or like you know the Gemara doesn't put it in that context so anyway Tosus is pulling back a little bit from the extreme of the Gemara because really like you know how how would anybody allow themselves to take a shrua you can make them swear anything under the sun any suffake on anything right it could be a tiny suffake it could be something very far-fetched could be on Karka, could be on anything. So Tosa tries to pull back a little from the Gemara and says that there has to be at least a little bit of a basis for suspicion. But the Kamash Malangin, the Sugya is we do we do require this Shibu. By evidently. So that's why Tosos pulls back right, from that. Right. Okay, I mean yes, that's what the Gemara sounds like, but Tosos pulls back a little bit or else it would really be like out of, you know, absurd. Alright, so now we go on to the next Mishnah. So that was a little digression to Gil Gushrua which, um, and, um, and now we turn back to the next, because of the relationship of so the next Mishnah. Now this Mishnah is very challenging, not so much conceptually, but because the words, it's like just uses complicated phrasing and complicated words. And the Gemara tries to figure out what the basic points of reference of this Mishnah are. And it seems also that this is probably a more archaic and an older Mishnah, and therefore uses a different type of terminology. So, so we're still within Kinyanim. Anything that would become money relating to something else, I'll just translate it literally, anything that would be money relating to something else, once this one takes possession, the other one is obligated in its exchange. Well, that was clear enough. Okay? So now, the next line is very clear. 
clear. Ketzad, hichliv shur bipara, if we're exchanging an ox with a cow, so, ochamor bishur, or a donkey with an ox, um, so, um, oh wait, chamor is a mule, right? Chamor is a mule. Right? A donkey is a... What's a donkey? A donkey is something else. Uh, right. A chamor is a mule. Right? A mule with an ox. With an ox. Um, Once this one takes possession, the other one is obligated in the exchange. So the end seems to be a simple issue of barter. Right? Reuven and Shimon are exchanging uh, animals. You know, your mule for your cow. Okay? Once Reuven takes the mule, the other one, Shimon, is obligated now to give him the... Ex- the now, wait, that doesn't work, right? Because it's not Shimon is now obligated to give him the exchange. It's now, right, that's part of the, even, even here the language is funny. You wanted to say once Ruvain takes the mule, Ruvain is now obligated yeah. to give him. Right. So the Nitzchai of Zeh, so this has a question what the Girsa is. There might not be the second Zeh. If there wasn't the second Zeh, it would be easier. Kevin Once you take possession, you're obligated to give the exchange. So if you have the, the right? No, the second Zeh you bring a cow, I bring a donkey. Yeah. You take my donkey away, and I haven't taken your cow yet, but yes. it's still my cow, so it's right. possible for it. Ah, so that's the question of what Nichayev means, okay? <laughs> so here we've got the donkey. I'm not even going to try to draw the difference between a donkey and a cow, okay? <laughs> here we've got the donkey. So, so Shimon, Zachazeh, he takes the donkey. So this is Zachazeh, that's the Shimon, Zachazeh. Now, then when we say, once he takes the donkey, Nitchayev Zeh, the introduction of the other word Zeh seems to mean that we're pointing to the other guy. Now, I just want to point out that Tzotzah says the gear set that doesn't have the Nitchayev Zeh. It says, Kivin Shezachazeh, Nitchayev, Nitchayev B'chalifav, if you, that was your gear set, means once you took it, you're obligated to give, the, to give it. That's one way. But the way of reading about Nitchayev Zeh B'chalifav is... You know, Jonathan is what you're saying. You're saying Yitzchayim Zed Chalifav is saying that once Shimon has it, Ruvain is obligated in any loss that happens to the cow. It's his cow, and even though it remains in Shimon's possession, it's now his cow, and any loss would be would be at Ruvain's expense and not at Shimon's expense. So that's the other way of reading it. Okay, so Yitzchayim Zed doesn't mean to give the Chalifav. Essentially, means you're Zochet the Chalifav. You become owning this object. And therefore, you are responsible for any loss. In other, okay. In other words, in other words, um, Reuben gives the donkey, mm-hmm. and then like Shimon calls him up two days later. It's like, when are you going to come and take the cow? Right. So I'm ah, busy. Right. So Shimon said, "Well, listen. If anything I'm happens, it's like, for you. right. your cow. He's right. in my backyard. It's exactly. Trips over the lawnmower. Don't blame me. Exactly. Okay. okay. So that's the end. So that's clear. But the problem is, so now we know what zachazani chayuzem means, but the the problem is, okay, whether you have the second there or not, but the problem is, what does this first phrase of kol damin ba'acher mean? Anything that's money relating to something else? Like, what? Well, what are you talking about? Like, you know, it's, 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 you want to say metatolin? What are you trying to say? Okay, so that's what the Gemara tries to figure out. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Could it historically be that the Seifa is later? So that's what I think. I, that's what I think. Because, because, yes, that's what I think. I think that the ratio is said in this very archaic language, and it's not at all clear what it means, and the ratio makes it much clearer that we're talking about exchanging two objects. Okay, this is a Kenyan Khalifin 
by the way, let's just label it. We've been talking about it for a long time, but this is the Kenyan of Chalipin, of exchange. And the other thing I need to say, which is going to be very relevant in appreciating the Gemara, is that there are two forms of Chalipin, which I would say logically should be categorized as completely different. Okay, there's one form of Chalipin, which is what the end of the mission talks about, which is barter. You know, I take one object, you get the exchange object. There's another form of Chalipin, which is sort of the handkerchief form, um, which is Kenyan Suder, which is sort of modeled after it, but that's not really exchange. Like, you take the handkerchief and you become obligated in the terms of a contract. Like, we're not exchanging a handkerchief for the terms of the contract, right? It's more that the, the, that it's a signal of my Gemar Das that I'm committing to it. It's a formal act of commitment, and therefore I can obligate myself in financial obligations, terms of a contract. I can also transfer an object through that, but it comes through more this, as a signify, as an act that signifies my Gemar Das. Now, one way that you see that these are really very, very different is, well, first, is, is some of the special halachas of Kenyan Suder. First of all, by Kenyan Suder, you don't even have to let go of the object. Anybody ever see, like, when the rabbi, you know, and the chassan holds it up at the same time? You give the object a matanah menas lahachzir, um, and, um, you know, or whatever, the object has to go back. And, so, like, it would be, I'm not saying you can't have that by a barter, but it would be very hard to imagine all of that by a barter. Here, I'm giving you, take possession of half of my donkey, and I'm holding on to the other half, and you're going to have to give it back to me after you're done, and through this I'm going to get your cow. Right? Like, huh? So anyway, that's already things that are very different. But the more, most extreme point of, of difference is that there's a debate in the Gemara about whether Kenyan Suda works, the Kalev Shel Kone or the Kalev Shel Makne. So what I mean is, is that I am, let's say, it's really, I'm going to just sell, give you my car with a Kenyan Chalipin, okay? With a Kenyan Suda, Kenyan Chalipin. I'm going to give you my car. Who has to give the handkerchief to whom? So that's a debate in the Gemara. It could be, I'm going to give it to you, Jonathan, the seller or the buyer. So one says, point is, says that the buyer does. You give me your handkerchief and I give you my car. That's at least more modeled after an idea of barter. Again, even though it's very different in terms of what really is being exchanged. But there's one opinion that says, I give you the handkerchief and, I give, and therefore you get the car. Now that's clearly not modeled after barter. But if it's a signal of Gemardas, it makes a lot of sense. Right, it could be a smile of I am showing, I am symbolizing my transferring of my car by giving you my handkerchief and you take my handkerchief. I am uh, signifying my obligating myself to the terms of the contract by my giving you my handkerchief. That's it could just as easily be Kona or Makne if it's just to signify Gmar Das. So it's clearly a very different model and phenomenon than barrier. Now the problem is, is that the Gemara is going to like equate the two and sort of assume that it's all the same rules govern both of them. Okay, which leads to Tosa. So Gemara doesn't play this out, but I just want to point out how absurd this becomes. Tosa says, if that's true, in the case of the cow and the donkey, you know, if, if we would apply the exact same rules of the handkerchief to the cow and the donkey, so if you passed in by the handkerchief, it's Caleb Shalmachne. So do you know what we're talking about in the cow and the donkey? It's not I take your cow and you get my donkey. It's I give you my cow and you also get my donkey. That's what the mission we're talking about, which is like crazy. Like what's what's that? Right? Chalipin is, I give you one object and you get the other object? Like, that's not Chalipin. That's maybe like Agav. I don't know what that is. But that's not Chalipin. Okay? But Tosos, and we're not going to go through it, but Tosos plays out the whole issue of the cow and the donkey and the barter, assuming that you could just as well go by the Kalo, you know, it could be the seller just as much as the buyer. But logically, of course, these are very different. There's the model of barter, which is clearly, I give you one object and 
and I get your object in exchange. Then there's this object about like a signifier of Gemar Das, Kenyan Chalipa Suder, which then we could talk about. You don't have to let go of it. You could get it back. It could be this person's Kalim, that person's Kalim. It could go either way. Okay? So we have those two models in mind. And let's take a look now at the Gemara as we try to figure out what is Kohanase Dami Ba'acher, what that means. Okay? So the Gemara says, Chalipin Mainihu. So, what type of Chalipin are we talking about in the beginning of the Mishnah? Even the Gemara is not so is hard to parse. Okay, so I'm going to read the Gemara. Rashi tells us pretty much read it the same way, but even the words of the Gemara are not so transparent. Okay, when we say that Nasa Dami Ba'acher, we're talking about a Chalipin. What are we referring to? Matbeya, a coin. So, what Rashi says this means is Kohanasa Dami Ba'acher means the following. Okay, if I wanted to pay you. $20, whatever, $200 for your donkey, and I gave you $200, will that work? No. I wanted to pay buy your donkey for $200. I gave you $200 cash. Is that a Kenyan? Kenyan cash theft. Does it work by Metatolin? No. no. Good. Somebody's been paying attention. Okay, so cash doesn't work. I would have to do Mashiach, right? So this $200 is not the dummy ba'achi. Under most circumstances, what do I use this $200 for as? I use it as money. I use it to pay for what the object costs. But let's say what we're going to say is, I'm not going to treat this as money. I'm going to treat this as a object. I will swap you my pile of coins here for your donkey. I'm not paying for your donkey. We're, we're swapping. Okay, it's just a slightly like a conceptual shift. Imagine we lived in a world in which in which things weren't monetized and there wasn't a dollar tag on every type type of a thing, and money wasn't a way of determining something's value, and we just had objects. If we just had objects, here I have some objects. I have some you know nice little green paper here with different numbers on it. Okay, I have a nice little pile of coins, and we'll swap my little pile of coins for your little thing. So this thing, under normal circumstances, would be considered money and him, and it would be the way of paying for the cost, and then it would be a king in Kestef, and that wouldn't work. But if you want to call it Chalipin, we'll swap this money for your, for your cow, that can work. So you, it won't work as Kestef, but it will look as Chalipin. And the Chiddush is that, the, that Chalipin can work even with a matbeah, even with a coin, if the coin is being treated as an object and not as money. Yes. Okay, first of all, with uh, green pieces of paper, I only want the pictures of Benjamin Franklin. Gotcha. Okay. Second of all, um, but why is it, though, like I get it, right? Like money is abstract. It's not an object. Right. You're not really Kona anything. So then you give me your $200, and I don't give you my cap. Right. So why am I a scoundrel? What? But, but why am I a scoundrel? What do you mean? If I paid Kenyan Kestef and you didn't give it to me? Yeah. You're not a, what do you mean? Because you're Misha Prison. <laughs> why are you a scoundrel? Right. Right. But right. you gave me the 200. So you'd have to give me it back if you didn't follow through. Well, why is that? Why? why? What yeah. you, I don't understand what you're asking. Well, I paid you money for your thing. The, the sale wasn't final. So if the sale never goes through, you have to give me back the money that I paid you for the sale. The problem is not worth it. Okay. So the, the, well, the problem is the price, okay. is the price from the market. Right. Yeah. So you don't see how you can consider Matbeya an object. Matbeya is always payment. No, but just right. out of the same you would give him five fifty dollar bills and he could theoretically give you back five singles. 
No, no, it's whatever you agreed to. It's like, I'm going to... Like, well, you're not giving him money. You're just giving him a pile of bills. Yeah, but we agreed to a particular type of a pile of bills. We agreed to particular types of coins, okay? Let's assume, let's assume that we were talking about my coin collection, okay? And it writes, so we can exchange my coin collection. That's a great example, actually. We're going to my coin collection for your cow, right? So this just happens to be a coin collection of all new uh, $50 bills. That's my coin collection. That's a coin collection. But if you give me something else, that's not the coin collection I agreed on, okay? So it's sort of very fine distinction between Kesso and... Right, we're treating it not as abstract and value and whatever. We're treating it as this physical object, right? I mean, I guess, look, this would be an interesting question. Let's say I would say, I'll swap you, and I use the language of Khalipin, I'll swap you, you know, this coin for your cow. And then when it came time to do it, accidentally, I gave you a, I gave you a different coin of the oh, same color, I'd say. So could you say, well, that wasn't the agreement? I don't know. Maybe you could. Okay? So it's obviously, it's a little bit of a fiction here, and in the end, we posit that Matea is not Nasa Chalipin. But that's the way the Gemara wants to read it. Okay? Nasa Damibachim means under normal circumstances, this would be money. But if you want to treat it as an object and do Chalipin, you can do Chalipin with it. Okay? Matea. Shmamina Matea Nasa Chalipin. So are we, are we supposed to infer that a Matea can be Chalipin? Normally we assume that a matbeah cannot be chalipin. So Amar of Yehuda Chachikamai. This is what we're saying. Kohanishom dami ba'acher kiven shezachazen ischayev b'chalipav. Anything that is normally assessed for value, okay, can be made an object of chalipin. Meaning what? That meaning the exact opposite. Meaning anything that is not money. That any object that has to be assessed what its value is, meaning that it is not itself money, can be an object of Khalipin. But cash, which is not an object of Khalipin, because cash isn't an object, cash is the value. So anything that has, is given a value outside of itself, okay, is, a, is assigned a value and assessed the value, meaning anything that is not cash can be an object of Chalipin, as opposed to cash itself, which cannot be. Is that clear how we're reading it now? Kohanishom dami ba'acher means, right, anything, kohanasa dami ba'acher, anything that has to be converted, maybe the better word here would be converted, right. anything that has to be converted into cash is an, a praise, but even the word na'aseh, like anything that needs to be converted to cash is an object that you could do Chalipin. So what's the only thing that doesn't need to be converted into cash? Yeah. Cash! <laughs> so anything other than cash, can be an object of Khalipin. Assessed. It has to be assessed for its value. Shuma. Oh, it's, called, it's a Nephal of Shuma. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, you, you can be amazed by grammar. Okay. Now, Diganami, that also is a good read, can be of the Mishnah. Um, the Ketani, because the remainder of the Mishnah says, So we're talking not about cash, we're talking about normal objects. So Shmamina. So you see that the beginning of the mission was not talking about cash. Because then Ketzad would not be a good illustration. Ketzad means it's illustrating. So if these I, uh, the ox and the donkey are illustrating, clearly what we're talking about is Dafka not cash. Only things that are not cash can be Chalipin. Okay. So now the Gemara says like this. Well, the Maid is going to very 
interesting Gemara. It's going to try to figure out a Havamina that we just rejected. Okay, but based on our Havamina, that we read that first phrase of Nasadamin to mean you can use money as Chalipin. So my Ketzad, how do you read the Ketzad of the Mishnah? What was that Havamina? How would the case of the cow and the donkey be illustrating the idea that a coin could be Chalipin? So, right, got the question? So it's a, yeah, so it says, everybody with me here? Yes? Okay, Hachi Kama. So here's what it says. Peros Nami Avdi Chalipin. By the way, not only money, but even Peros. Even, uh, you know, Peros is a generic term for like other objects. Okay? Kesad, Hechlif, Basar Shur, Bepara, or Basar Chamor. Bashur, for example, if you swapped, and now we're going to, it's interesting that it adds the word Basar, because it wants to make it something that's much more like consumables, like food. Okay? So if you swapped, um, you know, the meat of an ox for a donkey, or basar chamor, I don't know what you're using basar chamor for, for your dog food, I guess, okay? Okay, so therefore, here's the way to read the mission. The other thing you have to know about chalipin is, there are basically three categories. There's matpea, peyrot, and kli. The thing that obviously is the Chalipin, now this is normally in the context that we discuss this, in the, but the Gemara here is conflating the two, but we normally discuss this in the context of Kenyan Suter. So the basis for the Kenyan Suter is the Pasuk in Rut, which says, right, Shalas Ish Na'alo V'natan right? People know that, right? Na'alo V'natan right? And that, that's, you know, and that's how you do V'zot L'Tudab Yisrael, right? That's the Pasuk that says, you give somebody your shoe, whatever, that creates a Gemardas, that's that signifies the, the the context. So that's a kli. Okay, that's na'alo. So we know that a kli works for chalipin. Alright? Matveya, like that's money. That's the stuff that's harder, hardest to understand as chalipin. That's normally a king in kesef. Alright? The payrot is a middle category. Payrot is stuff like, you know, food, okay, which is not a kli, which is not a, a, an, imp, uh, an instrument, okay, but it's like consumables, it's other, uh, all other objects of value that are neither instruments nor are they, you know, vessels, like, you know, functional types of instruments, and nor are they cash, all right? So the Gemari here, there's a whole question how to read the Gemari here, but um, Rashi and the Antosis assume, where would you put basar shore? Let's start with that. Where would you put meat? Under which of these three categories? Payroll. Okay. Where would you put a shore? Cleave. So that's the question. Is a shore like a cleave because it's something you use, right? Or it's not a cleave because it's like it's not manufactured. Where? What exactly defines cleave or not cleave? Okay. So where does the shore go? Function or origin. Right. So Rashi and Tosos basically <laughs> assume for the to read this Gemara that even shore would be here, which makes it funny why the Gemara had to switch to bus or shore. Okay? So basically what we're saying is like this. So you have these three categories, okay? So here's our mission. And then it's the Ketzad and it's the Shore and Hamur. Okay? So this case of Shore and Hamur, okay, that that works for Khalipin, and then we're assuming again, by the way, Barter and the Kenyan Suter have the same rules, okay? So this idea that the Shore and the Hamur works for Khalipin, okay, we are saying is a case of basically, um, well, either Kli, or if you say Shore and Hamur is Kli, or Peyrot. Peyrot worked for Khalipin. That's the case of. What does Kohanasa Dami Ba'acher mean? So there was two interpretations. No, number one was cash. We mean cash is chalipin. We rejected that. And number two means anything that's not cash. Okay? 
Right? Those were our two explanations, yes? Of what, what that means. So, in explanation number two is anything that's not cash works in Khalifin. So, as long as you're not cash, for example, this. So, you've got basically, you know, payroll, something that's not cash. It all works very nice. But the Gemara says, but if you say cash works from Khalifin, what's the Ketzad? So, it said, well, the Ketzad isn't saying that this is. It's saying, and not only cash works for Khalifin, Peros also works for Khalifin. Okay? So there's two ways to read the Mishnah. Either not cash works for Khalifin. For example, Peros. Okay? But only Peros and not cash. That's the way we ended. And the first way to read the Mishnah, which we rejected, is cash works for Khalifin. And not only cash, not just Ketzad, but in addition, cash works and also Peros work. Okay? But according to both of those reads, we're saying that Peros works for Khalifin. Well, if you say cash works, then you... Right, it is... A, yes, yes. Okay, but let's now continue. Because now, regardless of the read, we are saying that Peros works for Khalifin. So now the Gemara says like this. Hanicha the Rav Sheshes the Amr Peros Avdi Khalifin. Fine, yes, yes. This seems to be Peros a different category, especially if we're talking about a scenario where if one takes their object, the other one already has responsibility for the other object. Spoil. Well, that's true, but you know, I mean, some. I, I, I mean, I get it, but that's like your responsibility to to take care of that, yeah. right? Yeah. I bet I do get that. All right. So the Mishnah says, "Hani u'asheish esamar peros avdi chalitin." So look, that's a good read of the Mishnah. Either of these two reads, the way Rashi tells us, say that the question we're asking now is both reads, because both reads are assuming that shore and chamor is not just busser shore, but even a real shore is in the peros category. So either of these reads of the Mishnah, the shore and chamor works, but it only works if you assume that you can use peros for chalitin. You can only do Khalifin with a Kli. Michael and Amar, how do you read the Mishnah? So, yeah, it's a real big problem because there's no Kli in the Mishnah. Hachikamar, here's how to read the Mishnah. Now, this is going to be a complete reread of the Mishnah. There are sometimes money works as like Khalifin, but we're really not talking about Khalifin at all. What's the example? So, Keita. Hechlif to make sure bepara. Oh, to make Okay, so for example, you if you exchange the money of an ox with a cow or the money of a do- of, 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 of a mule with an ox, what does that mean? So, so basically, what it means is the following. It means I go to to uh, to Dove there and I say Dove. Uh, you, uh, sell, you know, uh, you want to buy my cow? And Dove says, sure. How much? $100. Fine. Here's the cow. Do Mashiach. So you now owe me $100 for my cow. That's Deme Para. You owe me that $100. Okay? Then I say to Dove, I say, you know what, Dove? I hear that actually you've got a, you've got a mule to sell. Is that right? So I'll tell you what, Dove. Let me take that mule for the $100 that you already owe me for my cow. And you say, sure. Okay. Sure. Huh? Okay. <laughs> you missed that part. Sure. Exactly, okay, exactly. Anyway, so you say, no problem. So now what happens is, I now own your donkey with the demay para. The money you owed me for the, for the cow that you have not yet paid, that money now you get to keep, and that lets me own your donkey. So what type of a king, or mule, what type of a kinyan is that? It sounds like a kinyan kesef, but kinyan kesef doesn't work by metaltolin. So here we're going to explain how it works. My timer. Some of us Reb Yochan, and all like Reb Yochan. The Amar, Dvar Torah, biblically speaking, most konos kesef actually works for metasolin. Umatam amu mishicha So why did we say kesef doesn't work? 
and you have to do Mashiach, you have to take the object into your possession. Because you'll give me the money, and I won't deliver the product to you, and it'll already be your product, and then I'll say, oh, an accident happened, and the product got destroyed, or whatever, meaning I won't be even lying, but I have no incentive to protect the object now. It's, no, it's your object, you're the one responsible, I'm not the one responsible. So it's not fair for you that you have possession of the object before it is, you have ownership of the object before it's in your possession. Okay? And therefore, so therefore we said that we're going to annul the, the, the Kenyan of Kesef and we're going to replace it with the Kenyan of Meshicha. But now we're saying the following. A common scenario, that's where we play, imp, you know, implemented this rule. And we said, no longer Kesef, just Meshicha. But something that's less common, we go back, we, we did not implement our rule and we let the normal biblical Kenyan Kesef take place. Okay, so this is like completely crazy. Basically what it is saying is, is that we have, you know, the first step is, we did away with Kenyan Kesef, we replaced it with Kenyan Mashiach. But now we're going to say, you know, in scenarios that are not so common, then we'll let the old Kenyan Kesef work as it used to work. Like, cause like, and who gets to determine what parameters determine com- commonality? Like, I don't know, if I'm buying your Ferrari, you know, it's pretty uncommon for people to sell Ferraris. So, I mean, what makes it uncommon, right? Why is this stock of the scenario that we identify? And what type of sense does it make? What's the incentive to have loopholes in to have these like holes in the system right not to have like one basic rule of how Kinyanim works this really makes like no sense but in order to explain the mission what we're saying is if I'm not giving you cash if what I'm doing is I'm letting you keep the money you owe me for an earlier transaction then I don't have to do Mashiach then you can, I can just own it by letting you keep that money if anything that's like such a weak Kinyan it's all abstract nothing is changing hands something happened in the past nothing is happening now if there's any place that a Kenyan, that that Kesef should not work, it would be that case, right? And there we're saying that Kesef works. Alright? So it's a very pressed read of the Mishnah. Difficult read. So the Mishnah, let me just explain again. The Mishnah simply is talking about Chalipin. The, clearly this case about the ox and the donkey is talking about a case of payroll. So assuming that they go in the payroll category, not the Kli category. So that only works according to the opinion that payroll works for Chalipin. But if the only thing that works for Chalipin is a Kli, there's no way to explain this Mishnah to be about Chalipin. So rather than explain this Mishnah that seems all about teaching about Chalipin, we're saying no. The Mishnah is saying something that normally you owe me the money for or something that normally would be like, you know, a purchase with money, if it's basically letting you keep money that you owe me from an earlier purchase, then it works to be Kona. That's what the Mishnah is saying. Crazy read of the Mishnah. I know that so that's a sugi in Baba Mitzia. I mean, uh, I but yeah. So, it, but I don't want to get into that now. But what I want to point out is, by the way, that's is that the whole reason we're forced into this. Well, there's two reasons. Number one is because we're categorizing Shor and Hamor in Teiros rather than Kli, and Rashi already points out that logically you could put them in Kli. But the bigger thing that gets me upset is that this issue about is about 
the Kenyan Suder, right? It's based on this pasuk. Shalos Ishnal Ovin Atan Lareil Vizot Lutudabi Yisrael. This is how you like. That's the Kenyan of the Gemar Das. That's the Kenyan of the Suder. Right? You could understand that. Okay, a handkerchief or whatever, something like that. That formalizes it. But if you're talking about barter and swapping, there's no reason to exclude payros. Why can't we swap it? I mean, well, you said maybe they rot, but still, like fundamentally, you should not. Yeah, whatever. You should not be making different categories. The fact, the funny thing is that the Gemara is taking this, which is about swapping, and and applying these categories, which are really about a discussion of Kenyan Suda. All right, and the Gemara is seeing them all the same. Let's just finish up this Gemara. Now, Reish Lakish, you don't have this crazy read of the Mishnah according to Reish Lakish. Because Reish Lakish says Mashiach is explicit in the Torah for Metaphorin. So, according to Reish Lakish, the Mishnah cannot be talking about a weird type of Kenyan Kesef. Because he doesn't have Kenyan Kesef at all. For him, Mashiach is what works in the Torah. So, according to Reish Lakish, um, so how do you read the Mishnah? Right? So, this Mishnah now cannot be talking about a weird Kenyan Kesef because he doesn't have a Kenyan Kesef. So clearly, the Shor and the Hamor is talking about a Kenyan Chalipin that works with Peirot. So Hanicha, that works. So then he says, so Peirot does it, so that's what we're talking about. Swapping a Shor and Hamor is a Chalipin of Peirot. Okay? That would work. But if he holds like Rav Nachman, that Peirot don't do Chalipin. So this doesn't work. Okay? And and we already said that money isn't. So if money isn't and Peros isn't, so what's the mission talking about? It's not talking about money for Chalipin. It's not talking about Peros for Chalipin. It's not talking about a weird king in Kesef because Reish Lakish doesn't hold of a king in Kesef. There's nothing the mission could be talking about. So Bimai Mukiwa, what's the mission talking about? Oh, it must be like we said that he holds like Rav Sheshes that Peros do Chalipin and that's for sure in the Hamor. Okay? So, bottom line is the simple read of the Mishnah put the Gemara aside is you don't want it's not to introduce any of the discussion of Peirosav di Chalipin or any of that stuff because we're talking here about barter we're not talking about Kenyan Suda but the Gemara assumes no 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 we have to bring in the discussion about bar, about Kenyan Suda about Peiros etc so what does the Mishnah mean so number one Kolonas Adamim Ba'achir has two possible meanings either it means you can use money for Chalipin which is very strange and the Gemara rejects that or it means the exact opposite something that can be that can be um, converted into money meaning you can use not money for Chalipin. Something that isn't cats can be used for Chalipin, and the example is an ox and a donkey, and what that shows you is that Chalipin can be not only with a Kli, but even with Peros, okay? And that's the read of the Mishnah. Kli, yes. Peros, yes. Cash, no. Okay? What's the what's Rav Nachman's Why did he conclude that Peros to the Nachman? The, the Svara is, is, is based just on the Pasuk. It says Na'alo. So do you say, so do you read Na'alo as Dafka Na'alo and therefore a Kli? Well, I think there's a Greeber of like Rekayen Kol Davar or something like that. Uh, that's so, the Yeah, that's just based on that Pasuk. But again, all of this, right, so Na'alo is Kli and how much does that get broadened uh, even the Peros? Uh, but the question still is that that's all by Kenyan Suda. And the funny thing about this Gemara is it assumes that all of those principles apply to the type of a barter type of a Chalifid. All right, let's move on. Now we go to another Mishnah that also, as you'll see, is a little bit of an archaic language, but not as cryptic. Okay, and here's what it says. 
So what we would call in more contemporary, like in the more contemporary Mishnaic language of hektesh, okay, you know, things that are hektesh, that belong to the Beis HaMikdash, this, this earlier Mishnah refers to as Rishus Gavoa, the uh, property of the Most High, okay, so <laughs> it means hektesh, okay, and as opposed to Rishus Hedyot. The property of we call it hektish and chulin, right? People hear that we call it hektish and chulin, and the mission calls it rishus and rishus hedyot. It's an earlier mishnah. Rishus kesef. So hektish takes possession of things with a kinyan kesef, even metaltalin. But rishus hedyot bechazaka. But a normal person, a lay person, takes possession of things with chazaka, which basically means taking physical possession. It could be if it's karka, it would mean chazaka. If it's metaltalin, it would mean mashicha. Okay, hektish does it with money, but a hedyot does it as we've been seeing with physical possession and not only that but just your, your verbal saying something belongs to the base of Mikdash is like you physically would have handed it over to another person so what would be an example of that I say this ox is a korban I say I'm maktish my, cat, my car does Hektish have to do a Kenyan? No. The words themselves have the effect of transferring the ownership to the base of Mikdash. Okay, so my Amir, all along we've talked about physical possession, Masa, Kenyan, etc. By Hektish, your words does it. Do it. Okay? So, let's take a look at the Gemara. Tana Rabbanan. Ketan Rishusagavoa Bikesef. What does this mean that Hektish takes possession of something with money? Okay, Gizba, because we just said your words. Okay, but there are also cases where it's not your words. So, Gizba, I hear I'm the treasurer of the base of Mikdash and I'm going to go out and I need to buy some animals I need to buy I don't know some, some uh, sheep for a Corbin for a Corbin Seba or something okay so Dove tells me he's got some uh, some sheep grazing in New Zealand they're very good sheep I hear it's good grazing area there so I'm going to give him the money now and I own those sheep in New Zealand even if they're Besofa Olam okay even though by head yield of course that wouldn't work there's not a Kenyan of Kesef by Okay, but by Hedyot, I would not take possession of those sheep until I did Mashiach. But here, the, the money is enough. Now, what you might be thinking is, is this a good thing for Hektish or not a good thing? Because we just said before that if I own them as soon as I pay the money, that means that if something happens to them between getting them from New Zealand to here, it's my loss, not not those loss, right? That's so, the Kenyan, though, right? Kenyan Kesef. Right. Now, yeah, yeah. But that works for Hektish. It doesn't work for Hedyot. But the question you should be asked asking is, is that in Hektish's best interest? Because the whole reason that we said by Hedyot you have to take possession is to protect the buyer. So why is that in Hektish's best interest? So we'll have to co- we'll come back to that. Okay? Now, what does this mean that saying something is, belongs to God is like giving something over to a person? Whether it's about a korban or whether it's about transferring ownership, this ox is an ola or this uh, house is Hektish even if they're at the other ends of the world kana, that works just by your verbal statement but by a normal person you would have to do mashicha by the cow and chazaka by the house you would have to do an actual act here the words work now I want to stop for a minute and say something about the idea that the words work 
Why they work by a korban is more obvious. Because by a korban, right, I mean, for people remembered when we did Nadarim and whatnot, right, you have this whole idea of hafla. My words can create changes of status. My words can take this animal and give it kedusha, make it a korban. Okay? But that fundamentally doesn't start in the world of ownership. There are some korbanot that even I am considered to own. Like a kachim kalim, according to Rabbi Yossi, since I'm going to eat the meat of a shlamim, to some degree... Oh, shush. No, that's my series. Okay, Kachim Kalim, I'm going to, according to Rabbi Yossi, I'm considered actually to be the owner of Kachim Kalim. The idea of a Kedusha of a Korban is not fundamentally, if I said to you, what does this mean that this animal is an Ola? Would the first thing you say is, oh, it means the Beis Hamikdash owns it? No, it's not a question of ownership. Who's talking about ownership? It has something to do with the intrinsic status of the animal, right? Its state. It's of, of Hektesh. So there, so that's, so what I'm saying relates to Me'ila might be misused not theft that's a whole question of Me'ila that's a good question okay so by the hectic we deal with two ideas one is the status of the object it's hectic it's that Kedusha cannot be violated cannot be misused and so on the other is the ownership question okay now when I makdish my house the basic purpose of being makdish my house is to do what it's because I want to make a donation to the base on Mikdash. So there it is much more about transfer of ownership than it is about in, you know, in, instilling a status. So there's a bigger Chiddush. There's not such a Chiddush that I can make something a Korban with my words. There is a bigger Chiddush that I can transfer ownership. But that's in the Torah. Right? If you sanctify it. So just designating it as holy is enough, even though the purpose is fundamentally not about the status, but more about transfer. Nevertheless, that's the power of Hektesh. That your words, which make it Hektesh, are words that also transfer ownership. Okay? So that's Amir Salagavokim Sirasolahadyot. Now, we're going to read a little bit about how this idea of the money, does that help Hektesh or not help Hektesh? So let's take a look. Now, I agreed to buy your sheep in New Zealand there, um, or whatever, your sheep for $100. I'm the Gizba. So, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about the purchaser. Um, so, the, somebody bought something from Hektesh, okay, and he paid $100 and he bought it from Hektesh, okay, and he did a Mashiach, but he did not pay the money yet, that's the phase of Listoso, because the paying of the money removes the Kedusha status from the object. So I'm buying this, I don't know, car off of Hektesh, okay? So instead of cars for kids, we have cars for Hektesh. Okay, so I'm selling, I'm so, so I'm buying this car off of Hektesh for $100, and I haven't yet paid the money. And then the market changed, and now it's worth 200 So now that we know that Hektesh goes by Kesef, what would you say? Who owns this car at this moment? I did Mashiach, but I haven't paid for it. Who owns it? I did, did Mashiach from Hektesh. I took this car from Hektesh. Who owns it now? I did Mashiach without paying. Come on. What? You said Hektesh goes by money. So if Hektesh goes by money, who owns it now? You're taking this from Hektesh. I took it, but let's, it's parallel, okay? Right, but we didn't say that, but assume it's parallel. So I took this from Hektesh. I haven't paid the money, so it still belongs to Hektesh. I haven't paid the money. So now it goes up to 200. And what's the effect of the Mashiach? Nothing. It meant nothing. So it's now gone up to 200. Hektesh is now entitled to charge me 200. I, I don't own it yet. 
Okay? I have to give 200. I didn't own it yet. Why? But the verbal agreement was for 100. Who cares? If sale isn't final. That's why you have a Kenyan, because it's not final until it's final. My timer, then I'm Kesef to come low. That's where we have the idea that a Kesef works by Kesef. You give the money, and then you get it. Okay? So by Kesef, it's with money. So if I haven't given the money yet, they can charge me whatever they want now. And if the price went up, they can raise it. Now, what about if it's the reverse? It was worth 200, and I did a Mashiach. So though he speak with Stos or Achamid Bamana, now it's gone down to 100. Now you should think, I should be entitled to say, Tech one minute, it's not final, I didn't pay the money. I'm going to give you only 100 for it. No. No say Matayim, I have to give 200. My Taima, Lo because a lay person should not have greater rights and power than Hektesh. So basically it means that the issue I raised earlier is that in Hektesh's interest to be with money, sometimes that works against your interest. So the answer is, like, you know, what, what the, what's it like, the house, what is it, the odds are always in the favor of the house? The deck is stacked in favor of the house. So the Kinyonim are stacked in favor of Right, the Kinyonim are stacked in favor of Hektesh. Hektesh owns it with Kesef or with Mashiach based on what serves Hektesh's best interest. Let's, let's okay. <laughs> yes. And we're not talking about Hektesh. Right? You give me money for my sheep, which is in New Zealand. Right. Okay? And the sheep dies. Right. That was your problem, right? No. I didn't do Mashiach yet. The sale was never final. Give me my money back. Okay. So it's not... Right. So there was no... Okay, fine. Right. Okay. Let's just read the end here. The Obam of Sayin. Let's say the opposite. Okay? Let's say you didn't start with Mashiach. You started with money. But instead of giving him the money, you gave him a cow for a sheep. Yes. Correct. Then I would have lost the money. Yep. But the Obin Asayim, now you started with cash. I gave the, I gave the 200 to Hektesh for the car. For though he's equal Moscow and I didn't do Mashiach, Achamid Baman, it went down. So I'm stuck. Obviously, Kesef can use the king in Kesef. No same time. King and Kesef works for Hektesh. They keep the 200. My time, I've not seen the Kesef come low. But here's going to be the surprising line. But the Obin I gave 100. The low he's equal Moscow, Achamid Baman, now it's up to 200. So you might think that Hektish can say the sale isn't done yet, yeah. right? We were going to use Mashiach this time. No, here the halacha is Masha Pada Padui. Actually, the cash, it's, the sale is binding. The no Simlo Elamane, and I and I only have to give a hundred. I don't have to give two hundred. Why? Why can't Hektish say? Why can't Hektish say? We want to be like Hedyot. We want to use Mashiach. We're going to raise the price. Amai says the Gemara. Hachanami name alo yekor hedyot chomer mehakdesh. So the Gemara's answer is, Atu hedyot love misha parakai. One minute. And even a normal person, the halacha is, after the cash is given before Mashiach, a normal person who backs out after the cash is given gets a curse. The curse is Misha Para. Basically, it's the one who, you know, the one who exacted punishment against the Dor Hamabul and against, you know, all these people, that God should exact punishment against somebody that doesn't stand up to his commitments. Okay? So basically, if I paid cash and now you're backing out, you're entitled to back out, but you're going to get a curse. Okay? That's the halacha in Baba Metziah. So therefore, even when Hektish has the right to use Mashiach, they're not going to use Mashiach when it is seen as inappropriate, you know, as, like, as like, you know, as violating a trust 
in the heck in the head of context. So they can go by Mashiach if Mashiach was done, and they want Mashiach to be final. But if they did Kesef, they can't say we're going to reject Kesef and go by Hedyo and go by Mashiach, because even a normal person is not supposed to back out once the Kesef has been wait, paid. Wait, did they do Mashiach or not? No, they only did Kesef and not Mashiach, and that's why they're not supposed to back out. All right. In other words, even though Yadov shall aekdesh ba'elionah, you can't use that to enable the Beit Hamikdash to be scoundrels. They have to stand by their commitment. Correct. 